Welcome everybody to the seventh installment of the Powder Blue Review, powered by Blue Wire Podcast. I am your host, Michael Peterson. You can find me on Twitter at Zone Tracks, and you can follow all of my work over at SB Nations, boltsfromtheblue.com. It is a rainy, rainy Sunday right now here in Savannah, Georgia, but what a day it was. Shout out to the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team for winning their second World Cup back-to-back over the Netherlands, uh, score of 2-0. Man, that was exciting. What a day. What a day. It's always so great when the country can get together and and cheer on a team. Um, Love the World Cup. Same thing with the Olympics when they come around, man. There's nothing like going into, you know, any watering hole, any bar, restaurant, wherever you're going to watch these games, if not at home, and just everyone freaking out at the same time together. If anything, man, it just gets me excited for the next World Cup. And hell, even tonight, I believe at 9 Eastern, um, I guess you guys will be listening to this on a Monday, but uh, tonight as of Sunday, the men's national team is actually in the Gold Cup final, uh, a part of the CONCACAF League against Mexico. So you know, by the end of Sunday night, both the women and men's team could have their own championship, obviously the women's being much more of you know rare and, and a bigger deal since the men have never been to the world cup final themselves but either way it's it could be a really really good day in the history of both men and women's soccer and if you guys haven't heard about this uh, former chargers defensive end chris mccain won his first amateur mma fight last night uh, it was a second round tko and if you guys weren't aware mccain's been working out with sean merriman as a part of his lights out group to hopefully kind of change the direction of his career. You know, since football ultimately didn't work out, he had uh, a couple Chargers thrown his way that I don't think he was charged with officially, but the Chargers rescinded their second-round tender uh, two years ago, and uh, when he was with the Colts, they kind of slowly backed away from him as well, and he kind of found himself out of the NFL. But looks like he's found something he can put his time into to, you know, I guess reinvent himself, and and that's good to see. And, and Keenan Allen was actually in attendance for this fight. Uh, for those of you who don't know, they both went to Cal at the same time, played together out there at Berkeley. So good for him, man. It's good to see, you know, Chargers, current Chargers, supporting former Chargers and, and former Chargers helping other former Chargers and stuff like that. So um, just some feel-good news before we get going on to today's show. But uh, guys, it's another entertaining show, kind of along the same lines as last week. And I do apologize because I think at the end of last week's episode, I did tease that I was going to have a really good guest on, uh, another good friend of mine. But that guy unfortunately had like an emergency wedding he had to attend. So unfortunately, I had to scrap the idea for this week, but he did promise me we will have that episode out for next week. Um, again, super excited about it. Can't wait to bring you guys that content. But today's episode. Today's episode is along the same lines of last week where we're talking about another position group, the top defensive lines that the Chargers will face on their 2019 schedule. And they face quite a few good defensive lines, whether it's the Chiefs, the Jags, Vikings, Bears. I mean, all these guys there are a lot of good defensive line units coming for the Chargers in 2019. And man, it was so hard to rank these guys. I have the top seven because I felt like if I left any of these seven off the list at all, it just wouldn't be doing any of them justice. So I have a top seven. Man, it was so hard, especially kind of that seven to four range. The top three definitely stick themselves above the rest. But man, this was tough. But without further ado, guys, we're just going to get right on into this, starting with number seven. And number seven, we have 
the Minnesota Vikings. All right, and this has been one of the top defenses over the last couple of years. They did sort of regress from 17 to 18 just as a whole unit. Linebackers weren't as surefire. Defensive backs weren't as consistent either. I know guys like Xavier Rhodes, um, he's another year older, man. He just, I'm not going to say he lost a step, but he just didn't look the same in 2018 as he did in, in 17. But key guys along this defensive line, you obviously have Daniil Hunter, Huge star in the making. Everson Griffin, Linval Joseph, and unfortunately, the team did lose Sheldon Richardson in free agency. He's now with the Cleveland Browns, but he was kind of their three technique that kind of helped round out this defensive line. And as of right now, most of the production is on the edge with Daniil, man. That guy is an absolute stud. And uh, another note, through these seven groups, I am going to list the amount of sacks and tackles for loss that they are returning from their top three players in each of those categories. So as of right now, um, for the top three sack getters for the Vikings combined for 23 returning, and the top three players in terms of tackles for loss that are returning in 2019, they have 32. Their sack number of 23 is six, six excuse me, out of the seven in this group, and their tackles for loss are fifth out of the seven. They do have a couple key reserves, though. Steven Weatherly uh, had a pretty decent year. And then Jaleel Johnson, a former fifth-round pick out of the University of Iowa, will step in. And these are two guys who uh, will probably see an increase in playing time. Jaleel Johnson may, in fact, start at the three technique now that Richardson is gone. And Weatherly was a really good reserve, especially when Everson Griffin missed five games due to those mental health issues he was dealing with during the season. So just kind of a, a quick snapshot of this group. Daniil Hunter was kind of a one-man wrecking ball uh, Hunt, or excuse me, Everson Griffin obviously took a step back, missed some games. Hunter Man, he led all defensive linemen with 72 tackles, actually tied with the Jaguars' Calais Campbell with 72 total tackles. He was second in the NFL in tackles for loss with 21 behind only Aaron Donald, who had the absolutely historic year that he did. Everson Griffin, like I said, missed five games, but he still ended up with 33 total tackles, five and a half sacks, and five tackles for loss. Which, you know, if you want to extrapolate that to his 16 games, he probably would have finished with maybe eight to nine sacks, probably the same amount of tackles for loss, which is still a solid season. But you got to think in those games prior to he that he missed, he still probably wasn't himself. I mean, for a guy to absolutely take himself away from the game because he felt he just couldn't continue and that he wasn't in the right place. That says a lot about how he felt about himself and just his situation in general and luckily he came back and and seemed you know as committed as ever to the team so best luck to him going forward but still a ferocious defensive line with a lot of potential going into 2019. Number six and this is so weird to put this group at number six because they have Khalil Mack and obviously that means that number six is the Chicago Bears. Besides Mack, they've got a behemoth in the middle of that defensive line in Akeem Hicks. They've also got up-and-coming edge rusher Leonard Floyd, who is kind of coming into himself over the last couple of years. This is going to be his fourth year in the NFL out of Georgia. He was a heck of a player there. You know, like, like I said, he's slowly coming to his own. He's increased his tackles for loss. They went from six his first year to eight in the nine in 2018. But he hasn't hit that seven sack mark that he hit as a rookie in 2016. He's had four and then four and a half this past season over the last two years, which isn't what you want, especially in a complimentary piece that you'd like to pair with Khalil Mack. And a lot of people probably thought Floyd was going to eat, you know, a little more with Mack garnering so much attention on the other side, but that just wasn't the case. So the numbers for the Bears, 
uh, in terms of this group, 24 sacks means they are fifth out of the seven, and then 31 tackles for loss puts them sixth out of the seven. So some pretty decent numbers, but outside of Cleo Mack, they really didn't have a secondary pass rusher that really brought a ton of pressure over and over and over again. Hell, I mean, Akeem Hicks had seven and a half sacks from the middle of that defense. He had 12 tackles for loss. I mean, that's amazing, especially from a guy who's listed at 6'6", excuse me, 330, 340 pounds. I mean, it's such a force in the middle of that defense. And I've always said that Jerry Tillery, although he weighs quite a bit less, like he's the type of guy who could be that monolithic presence inside of the Chargers defense. So if you guys want to go back and look at Akeem Hicks' film, man, it's something else. And it should get you excited for the potential that Jerry Tillery has in uh, the Chargers defense. Moving on to number five on this list, we have the Pittsburgh Steelers. And in my opinion, this group might be one of, if not the most well-rounded defensive line on this list. From their edge rush presence to the consistency that they get from their defensive tackles. I mean, this is the type of defensive line that you want. So looking at their numbers... 27 and a half sacks from their top three sack hitters and top three tackles for loss guys are at 30. So this brings them to fourth out of seven in terms of sacks returning and seven out of seven in terms of tackles for loss. And I'll tell you what, guys, I didn't watch a ton of TJ Watt in 2018, but this guy must have had the quietest 13 sacks of of anybody. And hell, even same with J.J. Watt. And we all know J.J. Watt's one of you know the premier pass rushers, just defensive linemen in general in the NFL, but he had 16 sacks. And then his brother comes out in his second year out of Wisconsin and has 13 sacks from his outside linebacker position. And man, there's just something in the water in Wisconsin or something with that family, man. I need some of those genes in my life. Their two defensive tackles are Stefan Tuitt and Javon Hargrave, and these guys combined for 12 sacks in 2018, which is excellent production from the defensive tackle spot. That's the kind of pressure you want from the interior, and if you're along the mindset that you know the quickest line from point A to point B is a straight line, then you know the fastest way to the quarterback is from that interior, um, and they've got a really good duo right there. Um, if you include Dupree, but Dupree is another outside linebacker, plays a lot of... Uh, Outside linebacker on the line of scrimmage, though, might as well be a DN. The guy is well over 260 pounds. They had five guys with at least five sacks in 2018. Hayward had eight, walked 13. Hargrave had six and a half. Tuitt had five and a half. And Dupree also had five and a half. Um, that's just absolutely outstanding. It's It only speaks to their depth as a team and... You know, I think the defense in general could really go places in 2019 if they can get their secondary figured out because that's kind of been, you know, the, you know, the arrow to the knee uh, with the Steelers, man. They can, you know, they and, and if you watch the game against the Chargers at the end of last year, they really did shut down the run. Austin Eckler had nowhere to go. And, and that defense, excuse me, our offense entirely just wasn't themselves, didn't look themselves. And the Steelers were playing a big part in why that was. Coming in at number four on this list, we have the Jacksonville Jaguars. And just two years ago, if you guys remember, this was a team, uh, a defense that was nicknamed Saxonville because this team got to the quarterback at an alarming rate. And, God, man, it was amazing, absolutely amazing. They kind of pushed their way to the number one fantasy defense. Everyone kind of picked them to start 2018 as well, trying to bank off that success. And, um Unfortunately, they did take a step back. They did take a step back, but key players on this team. You obviously have Calais Campbell, the veteran. You have the young star, Yannick Ngakwe, 
and Marcel Darius, a uh, former Buffalo Bills player that got shipped up to Jacksonville, down to Jacksonville, I should say, and has been playing a big part in terms of stopping the run and just kind of making that defense, at least in the interior, much more formidable. This team also has a young guy in the name of uh, Taven Bryant, who is a penetrating three-tech from the University of Florida. He was their first-round pick in 2018. And only had one sack on the year, but hoping for a big bounce back or a bounce back with a breakout year from the young guy. And the team did just draft Josh Allen. He was a first round pick earlier this season who had a hell of a year in the SEC. His stats from college include 88 total tackles, 17 sacks, and 21 and a half tackles for loss. If that isn't a guy that fits right in with the Jacksonville Jaguars defensive line, I don't know who it is. And I'm upset that they were even able to get this guy Ugh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, for some reason, are able to just pack on the first-round talent with their first two picks. If you guys remember back in 2016, this team drafted Jalen Ramsey in the first and somehow got Miles Jack at the beginning of the second because people were scared of some injury, some knee injury that Jack sustained during the end of the year. But all of a sudden, look, they got two future starters in the first two picks of that draft. And then this year, they get Josh Allen at number seven, and then Jawan Taylor, arguably the top offensive tackle by some people in the 2019 draft, fell all the way to the beginning of the second, and the Jags were able to scoop him up right there. You just hate to see it. However, you can't be that upset because the Chargers did something similar today as well with Jerry Tillery uh, being the team's 28th overall pick and then Nasir Adderley, who some thought was actually the top safety in the 2019 draft, fell all the way to the 60th pick and then the Chargers were able to scoop him up there. But don't want to get too off topic. Going back to some of the stats here, um, Yannick Ngakwa actually in 2018 was third in the NFL in quarterback hits with 33. Campbell was 14th with 22 of his own. Since that 2016 draft, Ngakwe actually leads all edge defenders from that draft in sacks 29.5 over the last three years. Bosa actually has 28.5 just behind Yannick, but obviously Bosa's missed a plethora of games, so you can kind of make a safe bet that Bosa would be much, much higher and ahead of Ngakwe, where he two have played the same amount of games in that time. Both Ngakwe and Campbell regressed in sacks, unfortunately. This past season, Ngakwe had 9.5 sacks, 13 tackles for loss, and Campbell had 10.5 sacks, 20 tackles for loss, which was third in the NFL behind Donald and Daniil Hunter. But that's, for Ngakwe at least, down three from 12.5 to 9.5 after last season. And Campbell actually went down four from 14.5 to 10.5 from 17 to 18. One thing that you got to take note of, especially in terms of the potential success of this defensive line in 2019 is you got to keep an eye on Yannick Ngakwe's holdout. He's one of the players holding out. Uh, he wants an extension. He thinks he deserves it. And I think if you look at the numbers and what he's done in the last couple of years, he probably deserves it. But that team has to pay a lot of people, especially if they want to keep Jalen Ramsey as well, one of the best young cornerbacks in the NFL. Ramsey's already said that they're going to have to put him on layaway with how much Ramsey wants in that extension. I don't know who the Jags feel is more important at this very moment. They did just draft Josh Allen, who could potentially replace Yannick Ngakwe along that defensive line. I just don't know. But this possibly creates a distraction for the Jags. If Yannick holds out, then obviously that line is going to miss a huge presence on the edge. And no team really wants to go through that. We as Chargers fans know that we definitely didn't like Joy Bosa being out from contract 
uh, it, well, no, excuse me, it wasn't even contract extension, but his injury during his rookie season after the contract dispute, and then this past season having missed over half the games due to another injury. It's just knowing that the talent's on the team and it isn't able to play is just a huge letdown. And you know Jags fans are just not going to be liking that whatsoever. And before we head on into the top three groups, um, quickly want to give you the numbers on the Jaguars. So the top returning sack getters, combined for 21, which is last out of this entire group. And believe it or not, and I can't believe this whatsoever, but there was no other defensive lineman besides Ngakwe or Campbell that registered more than a sack. So Darius, Taven, Bryan, anybody else you can name from the Jaguars, they all had one sack. No one could get more than one sack than Ngakwe and Campbell. And that's definitely something that they probably tried to uh, fix up by selecting Josh Allen with their first overall pick. If you take a look at the Jaguars' tackles for loss numbers that are returning, so taking their top three guys, they actually come out with 38, good for a second out of the seven on this list. It really, really helped them move up this list to the number four because that 21 sacks, man, that's, that's horrifying. And again, they need to get some help, and hopefully Josh Allen is that person. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, or your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. And right now, Blue Wire listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use promo code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment, so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, then enter promo code BLUE. ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. Beginning the top three on this list, on the downhill slope here, guys, we have the Denver Broncos. Key players include Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, their first-round pick from 2018, and then defensive tackles Derek Wolf and Shelby Harris, as well as Adam Gotsis. I don't want to forget Adam Gotsis. He still played a big role for the Broncos last year. Numbers, sacks, 29.5, good for a second out of the seven on this list, and tackles for loss, 36, good for third. After 2018, Miller and Chubb might be the best edge rushing duo in the league. Both guys had 14 tackles for loss, and both had at least 12 sacks on the season, Miller having 14 and a half and Chubb having 12. Already, they've combined for more sacks than Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram have ever combined on their own in a season. Shelby Harris was kind of an unheralded hero along the defensive line, the 6'3", 300-pound defensive tackle was third on the team in tackles for loss with eight, which really helped bump up their numbers because Derek Wolf only had, I think, checking out my notes right here, he just had three tackles for loss. He only had one and a half sacks. Gotsis had three sacks, who ended up being the, the number three guy on the defensive line in terms of sacks. But Shelby Harris, man, coming out of nowhere and playing a huge role all on that defensive line and might actually have earned himself a starting spot in 2019. One thing I want to note, and, and a lot of people want to talk about sacks and tackles for loss, but passes deflected at the line of scrimmage are demoralizing in and of themselves. And and Derek Wolf and Adam Gotsis actually each had six. I think the, the most by defensive linemen was eight. So 
they had two guys with six passes defended at the line of scrimmage, which is huge. Having that sort of active interior played a huge role in the Broncos' defense last year. I think kind of helped them stay in a couple games, especially games against the Kansas City Chiefs. I know both of their matches against the Chiefs went kind of down to the wire. So I think that's a big reason why they were able to stick around for so long. And it's thinking about this duo of edge rushers that's got me feeling some type of way about the Russell Okung injury. It's just killing me not to know what's going on. And knowing that the type of talent we're facing this year just makes it worse and worse that Sam Tevy might be starting at left tackle. Trent Scott might be starting at right tackle. I don't know. But man, Russell Okung's got to get healthy or I wish we'd had an idea of what's going on because having this, quote, undisclosed injury is probably just killing so many fans. I know it's killing me and hopefully we can figure out something soon. But all I know is training camp can't get here soon enough. Surging into the top two defensive lines that the Chargers will face in 2019, number two is the Houston Texans. And man, you just got to look at some of these numbers here. J.J. Watt, 61 total tackles, 16 sacks, four passes defensed, seven forced fumbles, 18 tackles for loss. Jadavian Clowney, 47 total tackles, nine sacks, one pass deflected, three fumble recoveries, one touchdown, and 16 tackles for loss. Both these guys were also top 20 in terms of quarterback hits. J.J. Watt had 25, Clowney had 21, good for 10th and 18th respectively. Looking at their numbers from their top three guys returning, they had 29 sacks, good for third out of the seven, and 39 tackles for loss, which put them squarely at the number one spot here in this group. They are the only group with two players with 15-plus tackles for loss, 18 and 16 respectively with Watt and Clowney. And even without a strong third wheel, this group was able to put up these types of numbers, man. It's absolutely incredible, and it's going to be a pain in the ass when the Chargers have to face this team, especially in the first, third, first, fourth of the season. Watt's seven forced fumbles are actually tied with D. Ford in the NFL for most forced fumbles uh, in 2018. And then Watt, quietly, like I said earlier, 16 sacks. Good for second in the NFL behind Aaron Donald's 20 and a half. Just absolutely incredible, man. The guy just gets it done week in and week out. Jadamian Clowney is still coming into his own, failed to reach double-digit sacks in 2018, but has found a way to still make an impact, man. Those 16 tackles for loss is huge. The fact that these guys combined for 34 tackles for loss by themselves is just no small feat, and that's, you know, again, something that the Chargers are really going to have to figure out early in the season. Coming out at the number one spot on this list of the top defensive lines the Chargers will face in 2019, we have divisional rival Kansas City. The Chiefs' key players include Chris Jones, Frank Clark, who they acquired via trade from Seattle, and Alex Okafor, who comes via free agency from the New Orleans Saints. Kind of their replacement for Justin Houston after Justin Houston is now with the Indianapolis Colts. Taking a look at the numbers here, the Chiefs had 32 half, excuse me, 32 and a half sacks. Coming into 2019 from Chris Jones, Clark, and Okafor. Tackles for loss, uh, 34, which gives them the fourth spot out of seven on this list. Key losses, D. Ford, Justin Houston. Man, D. Ford had a hell of a year, and he turned that into some money. Going over to the San Francisco 49ers and finally pairing with Nick Bosa to hopefully give the Niners that pass rush they've been trying to get for uh, God knows how long at this point. By some of the other numbers, Chris Jones was third in sacks in the NFL with 15.5 behind Watt and Aaron Donald. What a breakout year. Holy cow, I just can't explain how good of a year Chris Jones had, man. Third in sacks, fifth in tackles for loss with 19, fifth in QB hits with 29. 
just absolutely incredible. And we, we spoke earlier about, you know, the, the quickest point from point A to point B, meaning the quickest point to the quarterback is a straight line. And the closer you are lined up over the center and the faster you can get from that point A to the quarterback, you're going to win a lot of football games. And that was the way the Chiefs were able to overcome their lacking secondary by having so much pressure up front. And Chris Jones being able to snap like he did is absolutely huge, man. I think they chose right keeping Jones over D4 and letting him walk, knowing they full well better pay Chris Jones. Huge athletic freak out of Mississippi State. Finally figured out how to put it all together. And now they get to pair him with Frank Clark. And the thing is, they lost D Ford, who was a 13-sack guy. They just replaced him with a 13-sack guy in Clark. Um, he was 11th in sacks in the NFL. Um, didn't have as many tackles for loss as you would like. Um, 10 tackles for loss. Still solid, obviously reaching that double-digit number. Two passes defended. Three forced fumbles. Two fumble recoveries. Not, not bad. He had 27 QB hits, good for eighth. And Jones actually had, like I stated earlier, 29, giving them the only group on this list to have two players within the top 10 in terms of QB hits. Huge deal, man. These guys just punish opposing quarterbacks. They just make their day so much harder than anyone would ever want. And then Alex Okafer, man, he isn't just in Houston. He's not. I would never try to compare him, but... Okafor does give them another solid edge rusher off the other side opposite Clark. In 2018, Okafor had 36 total tackles, 5 tackles for loss, 4 sacks, and just 1 pass is defended and 1 fumble recovery. It's not bad, but he's a solid player and who knows who may be able to um, rise up out of the depths. I know they took Breland Speaks in 2018. He's kind of a defensive end outside linebacker tweener that they're still trying to figure out. They did invest a third round pick on him, which a lot of people thought was a little too high, but he's a guy that they're going to keep an eye on and maybe he'll surprise a lot of people. I don't know, but they've still got a lot of talent along that defensive line, man. And if they have anything close to the type of year that they had in 2018, each guy along this line, Jones, Clark, or Okafor, it's going to be another rough year for the Chargers, especially playing them twice. And again, not knowing what's going on with this offensive line. Is Forrest Lamp going to start? Are they going to keep Schofield in there? Or is Dan Feeney going to take a step forward after taking a giant step back in his sophomore year from his rookie year? I just don't know. It's, it's just tough. And we obviously know how impactful interior pressure can be. We saw it twice uh, when the Chargers played the Chiefs, especially that final game, man, those two picks that Phillip Rivers thrown, especially the first one to start the game. Chris Jones was just in his face like that. And next thing you know, he's thrown off his back foot. He can't get it over the top of the defender, and he undercuts for an interception off Tyrell Williams. Either way, this defensive line is going to be a huge problem for the Chargers and the NFL in general, and it's exactly why they are at the number one spot on the top defensive lines that the Chargers will face in 2019. And that does it, guys. A quick recap of what we just went over. The top seven defensive lines that the Chargers will face in 2019. At number seven, we have the Vikings. Number six, the Bears. Number five, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Number four, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Number three, the Denver Broncos. Number two, the Houston Texans. And number one, the Kansas City Chiefs. Can't appreciate you guys enough for stopping in, tuning in for another week. Please, please, please. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you guys may be listening to this pod, go ahead and give it five stars. Go ahead and leave a review. We can't appreciate you enough. And hit that subscribe button, guys. You can never smash that enough. And one more thing before we get going. I put up a poll on Twitter yesterday about whether you guys want to do or whether I should do a little bit of a giveaway. 
I would like to thank my fans for kind of helping me get this thing started. You guys are the lifeblood of this podcast. But I've got a number of signed footballs by Chargers players, and I would like to give one away. So I'm trying to figure out a way how to do that. But if you guys are interested, again, let me know. You can reach me on Twitter at Zone Tracks. That's Z O N E T R A C K S. Or you can hit me at the podcast Twitter handle, which is at PB Review Podcast. Again, that's PB Review Podcast. So just let me know. Really interested in the idea. I've never actually done one of those before, but I always kind of like it when other people do giveaways. I like the idea of getting something for free. And if you guys like free stuff, then this is something for you. Probably going to involve, you know, tagging, retweeting, that whole thing. But we're going to figure it out. We're going to figure it out. And hopefully, one of you lucky followers, lucky fans, is going to get a signed ball by some Chargers player. And no, it's not going to be some loser. So don't go ahead and start making assumptions on that. But Anyway, guys, really appreciate it. This has been uh, Michael Peterson on the Powder Blue Review, and we will see you next week, and I promise my special guest will be here. So thanks a ton, guys. Looking forward to next week's episode. 